we're humans. Humans are not little machines. We don't come to work and make widgets. We come to work and think passionately and creatively. And if someone has a problem and you're not taking the whole person into account, they cannot be as creative and productive as they would normally be. Good day and welcome to the Leading with Nice interview series podcast where we want to help you inspire others, build loyalty, and get results. Today, we're joined by Janice Litvin. And I am super excited because if you've been following along with what we've been doing at Leading with Nice, we've been talking to a lot of leaders about burnout, especially this past year. I don't need to tell you what's been going on. And we've just been hearing from people everything from the extreme where they're like, I'm done. I want to tap out right now through. We just talked about recently hearing leaders say things like, you know, I am all in right now, but after this is after we're out of this, I have maybe six months and I'll have to look for something new. And there's a whole range of what could be causing that. But what we want to talk to Janice about is she's actually an expert in burnout and she's written a book. She speaks on it and her credentials are top-notch. So, Janice, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So, as I mentioned, uh, and for those of you who want to check out our website, we'll put those in the description below. Janice's credentials are, you know, second to none in terms of this arena. She's been in the field for a long time. And I'm just curious about your personal journey and how that has impacted your life and mission to prevent burnout? Like what was it about, about the life you've lived? Can you just tell me a bit about how your experience and changing your own behavior and incorporating health and fitness into your life has informed your professional life? Wow. I could, I could talk about that for 30 minutes, but I will try to be concise. So as you mentioned, I've been involved with human resources and technology recruiting for many years, and then came the recession. So I had to figure out something to do. And when in doubt, go to the gym, I always say. And I had gotten sedentary and I wanted to get back in shape. So I went to the gym, found Zumba Fitness, became a Zumba instructor, which I loved and still do to this day on Zoom. And then after a couple of years, I thought, you know, I love teaching Zumba, but I, I still want a mental challenge. So I did some research and found the world of corporate workplace wellness. And of course, wellness applies to everybody, but it's especially an issue in the corporate world because... Until that time, corporations were not focused on it. Mm. And so I began to speak about fitness because that was my background. And then one day a client called and said, we want you to talk about stress, but we don't want the typical mindfulness program. We want you to go deep. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I'd be happy to go deep. I went deep into my own psyche in the 80s and did therapy and th thought, oh, I can go deep. Meanwhile, I had read some books about cognitive behavior therapy. So I created this program. By the way, I had three weeks notice, created this program that I called Banish Burnout, which basically teaches people how to dig in and figure out what their behavior is and then how to change it. What was it then about, about this that made you so passionate about helping people prevent burnout? And before delving into that, Perhaps you could outline why is it that the workplace and many workplaces struggle with this problem? Like, how come this seems to be a thing that no matter where you go or who you talk to, this is an issue? 
Well, the the typical answer that I'll start with is most managers, I don't have a stat, but most managers are promoted for technical skills. Until recently, nobody worried about emotional intelligence. If a manager had the technical background, then fine, they knew how to manage. That had nothing to do with human interaction, making sure people were okay with what the team involvement as well as their own technical work. And so that became obvious because people were job hopping. And so then people started to pay attention. You mentioned it. So like the technical experience on the other, the flip side of that coin, I suppose, is people management and emotional intelligence. Yes? Right. Absolutely. So I personally, I love working in emotional intelligence. There's so much to learn in that arena, but it's kind of like a corporate buzzword, right? Like uh, I always feel like, okay, everybody, we're going to synergize over some uh, emotional intelligence while we take it offline. Yes. (laughs) Right. You know, I feel like it's a, you know, like a movie trope almost now. Yes. But how can companies, managers, and employees use emotional intelligence and awareness of it to prevent burnout? First, I want to, I'm, I'm going to answer that question, but I, as you were talking, I, I was reminded by a little vignette. I remember many years ago, I started out as a computer programmer with a degree in math, and I'll never forget one day, I was very upset about something, and I called my parents, maybe I was one year out of college, and my father, I'll never forget this, my father said to me, there's no place for emotions at work. Mm. So you go to work and do your job, collect your paycheck, and you be quiet. And and that was where a lot of people and companies came from. Now everything has changed completely. And the reason is, well, let me let me put it like this. We're humans. Humans are not little machines. We don't come to work and make widgets. We come to work and think passionately and creatively. And if someone has a problem, let's say, God forbid, someone in their family is sick with COVID or anything else, and you're not taking the whole person into account, they cannot be as creative and productive as they would normally be. As I'm hearing you talk, I'm like, oh man, like how do we move people into a place where they even can recognize that this might be something they want to start paying attention to? Well, it it always starts at the top, doesn't it? Mm. It starts at the top. And some co- a few companies, Prudential and EY, are starting to pay attention to mental health in the workplace. And one thing they're doing is they're role modeling vulnerable behavior because we want to get rid of the stigma. Mm. As long as you keep things swept under the carpet, they're not going to get dealt with. If somebody comes to work and they're not themselves and their work is suffering, it's really incumbent upon the manager to pull them aside privately and say, hey, Sue, I see that you're not yourself lately. What's going on? Is someone at home sick? Do you need some help? What resources do you need? Do you need time off? You have to show that you're a human being because you don't want your people to burn out. And I truly believe that no one wants their people to burn out. Hmm. I don't think there's probably many workplaces where there's nothing going on to alleviate stress and emotional well-being and burnout. But if you're listening, you're a leader right now, what are some things you can do or ask yourself to kind of gut check if you're doing the right stuff? 
Right. Well, interestingly, you know, because I'm ensconced in this world of workplace wellness, I'm always shocked when I hear certain kinds of stories. For example, at a workshop recently, someone asked the question, what should I do because my boss is expecting me to be on call all weekend? Hmm. And I was shocked and saddened to hear that some bosses expect corporate nine to five workers to be on call on Sunday. People need to rest. The more they rest during their off time, the more productive and creative they're going to be Monday through Friday. Right. So I can't imagine, unless you're an on-call doctor or nurse, why you would demand someone be on call unless they're involved with, you know, uh, computer operations. Mm-hmm. So are you suggesting like don't have people on call or like what's the flip side of that? Like what is the answer to that? If there's not a real business reason to have someone on call on Sunday, then don't have them on call on Sunday. As a matter of fact, spend some time during the week, especially, you know, it's one year now that we're into COVID, right? working from home. Maybe we're now beginning to talk about reentry into the workplace, but we're not there yet. And so what I'm seeing is that people are having some personal get-togethers on company time. Show people that you care. Have book club, have game club, have uh, a game day. Once a week for an hour, get people talking about stuff that's personal. Like, for example, what's the best thing that happened to you yesterday while you were working? Get people celebrating their successes. Little successes can generate happiness chemicals. And when you're talking about happiness chemicals, you're talking about like endorphins and dopamine. Yes, exactly. Okay. You know, I love talking about the way our brain naturally kind of pumps us up as well. So when you talk about having a game night, for example, or like a, or an afternoon of like a book club, what I don't think people recognize that does so much is it actually helps build trust, right? a sense of community, a sense of belonging in the organization, which can then go a long way because people, you know, they say the best cure for depression is connection. Yeah, absolutely. Is it fair to say that like burnout, I don't want to say it's like a form of depression, but like it definitely would be in that same arena? Well, certainly it's in that arena. And I break depression into two schools. One is people who have a physiological situation in the brain where they have what I call clinical depression. Another kind of person is a person who normally is a business-like person. They're happy. They're proud of their work. and yet they're working 10, 12 hours a day, especially during COVID where mothers are going back to work until midnight because in the middle of the day, they were helping their children. And so repeated chronic stress that goes unabated is what leads to burnout, according to the World Health Organization. And so when someone says, oh, I feel so depressed, you've got to pay attention because you don't want them to burn out. They're going to quit the job, which then costs between 50 and 200% of salary to replace them. Moreover, though, we care about them. We don't want them to burn out and have to go on disability. Mm. So my company is called Leading with Nice. And there are people that will tell me, oh, you know, that's nice. Like they they get that, oh, you want to make the world a better place. So that's that's lovely. But, you know, we need to make money and be profitable here. Right. And my response is typically, well, like, I don't know, does, does employee turnover cost you money? Exactly. 
Not only that, Matthew, there's research that shows that the stock price is impacted by having a wellness program. Yes, you're 100% right. Like there's lots of data that shows that by implementing some really simple techniques and policies that work can increase your stock price, can help decrease employee absenteeism, can decrease employee turnover. And so what really attracted me to you and your work is your book, Banish Burnout Toolkit, is basically like you've done all the work for everybody already. You said, Here, here's how you do it. So can you just give us like a high level overview of what they can expect out of your book, what they'll find, what they'll get? Well, at a high level, one thing they'll learn is how to interrupt negative thoughts. Now, the average person, the brain looks for things that are out of place. And so a lot of us tend to be kind of critical. How about learning how to turn that around, create a growth mindset and look at things from a more positive point of view. That's part one. Part two is when things happen, someone is rude to you in a team meeting or someone doesn't disagree with you, what do you do? Do you argue? Do you get into a fight? No, you sit quietly. Your body will tell you if you're paying attention that you're upset. So there's the physical reaction and then there's the emotional and the verbal reaction. But it starts with the thoughts. And so if you can interrupt those negative thoughts and twist your mind around into a positive mindset, that is the beginning of the healing and the growth. And this might be actually my own bias, but I want to like reinforce that when you talk about like healing and repair, you're not talking about everybody sitting in a circle. No you know, in a drum circle or in a meditation circle singing Kumbaya, like you're talking about legitimate, real, good business practice. Absolutely. I'm talking about people getting intimate with themselves so that they can understand, and this ties into the emotional intelligence piece, so they can understand the impact of their thoughts on themselves and the impact of their behavior on their teams. That's another hard part. So the other, one of the other things I run into, and I'm sure you run into as well, is I start talking about, okay, here's so, some simple exercises you can do. So for example, when I'm working with uh, leaders that say, oh, I want to increase my empathy, or they have said, I want my people to work harder. And I'm like, well, maybe you should work on yourself first and right. Like, right. <laughs> increase your empathy. Right. And I'm just in a conversation. They're like, oh, what's, well, how can I do that? And I say, well, you know, Listen, this is not the be all and end all, but there's actually scientific proof that when you daydream intentionally, you actually increase your ability to empathize. And they're like, wah, 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 you're, you're full of poppycock or some other 1920s phrase. Right. So not everyone wants to take stock of their own behavior, right? And you put it in one of your videos that I watched. It's simple, but not easy. Right. So like, what would you say to a team working on preventing burnout to help them overcome this paradigm of it, like, um, I'm too good for that. I don't want any part of that. Or I'm too proud to do that. Ask them to show empathy to other people. In other words, ask other people, how are you doing? Rather than talking about yourself, mm. we all come to a meeting and want to talk about ourselves. Come to a meeting and, and share something that somebody else did for you or something you heard about for a customer or a user. Compliment other people. Start sharing about other people and also start sharing about how you yourself could help with things that you can offer other people. Start spreading positivity. 
I'm going to start calling you West Coast Matt Yule because like, <laughs> I love everything you're saying. You know, I, I actually uh, wrote a blog post, I think back in like 2013, because um, I worked in education at the time and cell phones were just starting to become pretty popular. Like the iPhone 3 was out, I think, or iPhone 4, somewhere around there. And, uh, you know, selfies were all the rage, right? Right. And I remember talking to my students. I worked in the communications office, but I hired a lot of students in our office. And we were meeting, and they're all taking selfies and uh, posting it on Facebook back then. And I said, oh, you know, stop taking so many selfies. Start taking newsies. That's what communications is all about. You know, and they laughed at me. And I think I still, some of them still message me once in a while to mock that phrase. But the ethos is, you know, turn the focus around. Right. Look outward. I was on LinkedIn and this person in HR that I follow that I have a lot of respect for said they hate the phrase, how can I help you? Or if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. Because she said that is like a cop out. You don't actually want to help that person. Mm-hmm. But I, my response is like, well, if somebody says that to me, they better meet it because I will ask. Right. What, what's your take on that? I don't know. What would you say in response to that? I, I've gotten the same feedback. I, I just wrote that the other day. If there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. When so, you know, Even though I haven't done recruiting for 20 years, if I hear of a young person looking for a job, I will write to them if they're a friend of a friend or whatever and say, what can I do to help you? How can I help you? Maybe I know someone for you or maybe I can review your resume. What can I do to help you? How else are you supposed to get the word out there that you want to help someone? Exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay. So you're the expert. So what have I missed as we've been talking about burnout and about smart ways to be emotionally intelligent in the workplace? What have I missed that I've not asked you that you think is a really important piece we should be sharing? The only thing I can think of right off the top of my head is if you notice that someone has an overreaction, a very strange overreaction to something mundane, that's a clue that they're carrying around some emotional baggage. Now, it's tricky how to deal with it, but the first thing to do is take them aside and say, hey, the other day when we were uh, trying to change the air conditioning and you got mad at me for um, telling you not to bang on the buttons, um, it seemed a little out of character for you because you're so smart and you're so productive and I really like working with you. Can we have a little chat about that? Maybe maybe you're taking things too personally. Hmm. Some people are still carrying around some baggage that they might need to unpack. Hmm. My sister, actually, I was talking to her about this. I volunteer with an organization and we had to do our annual general meeting. And I had asked all the chairs to just do like a three minute video updating what had happened this past year, you know, what they, what they were able to, how they pivoted in their programs, what they look forward to doing this year and how you could help. And I got a phone call like the day before it was due from a very intelligent uh, woman that is on our board. And she like tore into me about how videos are stupid and nobody wants to watch them and this and that. Wow. And I was like, whoa, like, you know, I listened and I was like, but really it caught me off guard. And to be honest, it, I was pretty ticked off after. And I was telling my sister about this experience. She said, you know, Matthew, some people are just done, right? Yes. They're just, they don't have capacity. Yes. They're burned out. <laughs> yeah. So just to, to watch for those cues, you know, I like that. I'm going to give people a tip then. Here's a a way you can practice this. Go on your local neighborhood Facebook group and just read some of the posts 
And instead of responding in disgust and anger at how, how some people are, respond with empathy and, and suggest yourself, you, you don't know what that person's going through. Right, exactly. You don't know what that person's going through. Try to put yourself in their shoes. Maybe they have somebody sick. Maybe they just found out they have some illness. Maybe their child is struggling in school. You just don't know what's going on with another person. So if so, if an organization is listening to this and they're like, hey, I want more Janice in our life, what would somebody hire you to do? What kind of thing would you want to do with an organization? Can you kind of describe what your perfect client relationship would look like? I, I do workshops for small and large groups. I've been doing them on Zoom even before the uh, pandemic. And I also have a free book club I do once a month. And any number of people show up. We talk about anything anybody wants to talk about. So I like to do group workshops primarily. And what would like give us some topics of that they might bring you in for? I break down the Banish Burnout program. And then we also do breakout exercises. I tell humorous stories to make my business points. And then we actually do breakout exercises. And you would be shocked at all the kinds of things that come out of that because we break down the exercise, and then we come back as a group and talk about them and all kinds of issues come up. It's amazing. If you're listening, you haven't experienced these kind of things. I'll tell, I'll share one thing that we do in workshops that I run that people love. And so usually one of the first things we do is I just ask people, about, there's about three or four questions we go around and share, but one of them is, what is your birth order? Wow. I cannot get over how often people will be like, you have seven siblings or like, yeah. I'm the oldest too, you know, and, um, and yet I imagine yours are for, you have similar types of interactions. Absolutely. You remind me of a popular public radio therapist that was on for a while in the eighties. I cannot remember the name of his book, but he talked a lot about the family and the birth order because it sets up relationships mm -hmm. and it sets up patterns of behavior. Well, you know, I actually asked that question because when I was doing that, I did a master's in uh, leadership and management. And one of the, my uh, studies, I always wanted to find the data behind what I kind of inherently knew to be true, like that espousing gratitude, empathy, trust, honesty, service, and generosity that like that it wasn't just a nice to have. It was actually data showed that it was legitimately good business practice. And so I found this study out of, I believe it was out of the University of West Virginia or University of Pennsylvania, something on the East Coast or that way. And basically what they did is they measured brain activity as certain questions were asked individually and in a group. And they found that there is a handful of questions that when asked in a group and shared, it actually increased uh, dopamine in the brain, which can lead to, it makes it easier to build bonds. And one of the questions that I thought was so simple, because the simplest one was like sharing your birth order. Wow. It leads to better connectivity. Now, if you share it, are you all of a sudden best friends? No. But nothing in our in our in the work we do, Janice, is you would say this too, I imagine. None of it's like, oh, here's the one answer and boom, everything's solved. It's it builds on each other. Right. Right. And interestingly, when thinking about families, you can have four or five or however many children come from the same family and each child is completely different. Oh, yes. Which illustrates my point about relationships and, you know, from parent to child and sibling to sibling and which one is the favorite child and, oh, you didn't make all A's, your brother made all A's, all kinds of things come out. 
Yeah, you know, one of the most interesting, when I do that exercise, I do it with this one group that they, uh, it's a social change agency. And so they have, they do employment programs. And oftentimes in that, in that program, not all the time, but often the participants come from blended families. And so it's amazing. These participants have been in the program for like usually a couple of weeks together, but I make them share these questions. And somebody will say, well, you know, my mom has this many and my dad has this many. So I'm kind of like on this one, I'm the oldest, this one, I'm the middle. And it's amazing that these people that think that often I find they think they're the only ones that come from a family that's not as clear cut as another family. And that alone, all of a sudden, these participants in the group, it causes real bonding. So I used to be towards the end of that program, but now the facilitator has me come in earlier in the program because it really accelerates the relationship building. Oh, absolutely. I, I can't imagine trying to blend with another, if you're from a large family and blending with another large family. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's funny because one of the questions I ask as well is, you know, what did you like to do as a kid? And so it's funny, these families, kids who come from like big families, when they talk about like loving sports, they're like, well, you know, we had like kind of a whole team built in. And I'm like, oh, that's great. That works well. Right. Uh, not a football team, but maybe a hockey team. So. Right. That's funny. So I know people want to know more about you now. So where can they go to find out more about you and your book and how to get it and all of that? Thank you for asking. My website is JaniceLitvin.com. There's a book page, there's videos, there's testimonials. Everything you need is right there. And if somebody is like they're itching to get a hold of you and chat, what information can they come with that would be really helpful to you to get a conversation going quickly? Uh, what, what are the issues your employees are facing? What's going on? And wh what, what do they need? Okay. Honestly, the last time I looked at my clock, we had been recording for five minutes and now we're past 30. Man, it flew by. That was awesome. Before we get going, I just have to say thank you to a handful of people. Carrie Cotton is our account manager at Leading With Nice, and she makes sure the business keeps on running while I sit here and chat. Naomi Grossman is our EA. She helps write these questions and do the research. Jamie Hunter is our content manager. If you heard about this podcast, if you saw it on social, if you read the blog post, you can thank him. He puts it all together and promotes it. Cindy Craig does all our booking. She made sure that Janice and I both showed up on the right website to record this. And Austin Pomeroy is our audio technician, audio editor. He makes it all sound great. And I sometimes forget Sam. I'm sorry, Sam. I forgot you last time. But Sam does all the graphic design. So the, uh, the social post you saw with the graphic, that was all Sam. So I just want to say thanks to all of them because without them, this doesn't happen. And man, I'm all pumped up for the rest of the day now, Janice. Thank you so much. <laughs> so am I, Matthew. Thank you. For more on this topic, visit leadingwithnice.com. Janice's website is in the description. Check out her book for sure. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.